Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is Life Links with the DL Link. Life Links is a funding initiative of the DL Link. We're so delighted to have Mark Pilgrim on the show. He's a South African media personality, radio and TV presenter. I mean, he's hosted so many um, radio and television shows. Um, he's also the ambassador for cancer. He's a friend of Reach for a Dream Foundation and the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Just incredible things that Mark continues to do. So we're delighted he's taken some time out to spend um, with us this this uh, this afternoon. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Nikki, thanks so much for having me. And uh, hi to everyone listening to Hi FM. So, you know, Mark, I mean, we talk about this COVID and for some of us, it's abstract. Um, it's something that we fear. We've heard of people for others. You know, we've they've gone through it and many people have lost it. Very, very mm. scary times for you. I mean, you're kind of just coming out of it, aren't you, Mark? I mean, you really have had a challenging couple of months. Fill us in. You know, I think for the third wave, you know, we all knew the third wave was coming. And I was chatting about this on my radio show the other day, saying how with the first and second wave, many of us knew someone who knew someone who had right. COVID. The third wave is different because many of us, um, have had it now ourselves in the third wave. And many of us know someone either in hospital or someone who has passed. I mean, this is real. It's pervasive. It's out there. I use the analogy of imagine you're on a tennis court and someone's throwing tennis balls at you. You can dodge those balls as much as you want. Eventually, the odds are one of those balls are going to hit you. And that's what COVID is at the moment. It's such a good analogy and a, and a pretty frightening one. So tell me, Mark, I mean, you know, as I said, you're no stranger to challenges. You've inspired us before on the show. And we'll go through your story for those who haven't heard um, your story before. But were you were you dodging the, the this tennis ball? Were you thinking, oh, well, if it hits me, it hits me? I'm not in fear. I'll deal with it. Or were you quite anxious about it? What were you like before you actually got COVID? Well, this is the reality of COVID. I'm quite a germaphobe. So I was very happy when we all stopped shaking hands because <laughs> that's the kind of person I am. So I don't live in a bubble, but I would mitigate as much as I could. And I don't touch people. I sanitize my hands. And I think that just goes to show you so many people say to me, where did you catch COVID? I said, actually, honestly, I don't know. And does it really matter? Because there are so many touch points where you can live as much as you want in your bubble, but it might just be that one time you go to the credit card machine at the shops or you touch a door handle or you touch a, a, a shopping trolley. Uh, it's just, it's out there. So I did what I could to avoid it. It still found me. Okay. So, I mean, listen, it's one thing being a germaphobe and, and, um, you know, being aware and, but there's a lot of fear around it, Mark. As you've said with this third wave, you know, w people are in hospital. Oh, there's so many people who've passed. It's really, they're really frightening. So there's this building anxiety of, oh my goodness, if I'm diagnosed, what's going to happen? Listen, I think we're going to just, um, pause for, for ads, Mark. But after that, let's, I want to, I want to just talk to that. I mean, when you were first diagnosed, just getting an, an idea of your state of mind. So for people mm. who are listening, who are in the position, who are terrified, just if we can just, you know, just dip into your state of mind when you were first diagnosed, but let's, sure. let's go, let's, let's, uh, let's stop for a quick ad break and we'll be right back. Mark, please stay with us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 
Welcome back to the DL Link Show on 101.9 High FM. I have the wonderful Mark Pilgrim on the show today. Uh, Mark, when I hear your voice, I, I want to smile. It's this confident, happy, um, upbeat sounding voice. And, you know, that's the kind of image that you have out there. You've had, you know, as, as many people, you've had your challenges, um, in terms of, your health being diagnosed um, with cancer at the age of 18 and in 2008 having a heart attack and now recently sharing your um, your battle with covid um and and kind of what you've had to go through so when we when we think of you and certainly when i think of you i think of you as the upbeat person we spoke about the fact that there's this third wave and more and more people have been diagnosed more of people are sick unfortunately lost their lives so there's a tremendous amount of anxiety and fear. So Mark Pilgrim, who is diagnosed, you, it's you're not diagnosed, you, you're positive, you have the, you have COVID. What, what went through your mind? What was your mindset like? Well, I've always, I've got to set, set the scene. I've always believed in, I'm a positive person, which means not every day is a good day. But when you're not having a good day, as long as you're looking up, you're looking in the right direction. Because life is like that. You can't always control what little fireballs come your way. And COVID was definitely a big fireball. And I think for two reasons, COVID is different to many other illnesses. Number one, it's the isolation. Because so mm. often when you're sick, all you want is a hug from your loved one. And uh, my girlfriend couldn't come anywhere near me. I couldn't see my children for, for two weeks. And it's very isolating. And you feel even more alone. And that's, that makes you feel scared. So number one, the isolation with COVID. Number two... As you say, the anxiety with the uncertainty of how your body is going to react. Because to use another analogy, we're all standing on the battlefield together. Some people fall on the floor. Others just walk around and they're okay. And when you yeah. get COVID, you don't quite know which way your body's going to go. I've got comorbidity, so I was a little concerned. And I had a fever. You know, we all have different symptoms. I didn't lose my taste or smell. I've always had good taste. But <laughs> I didn't lose my taste or smell. But I had an incredible fever. I couldn't even get up to go to the loo. It was it was totally debilitating. And just as you start getting better, you think, okay, I'm on the mend. COVID has got this uncanny ability to hit you again. And it was on that second round on about day seven or eight where it became really debilitating because what had developed in my lungs was COVID pneumonia. First of all, in my right lung and then in my left lung. And that's, that's when you really start getting into trouble because that, that affects your breathing. So my recommendation to anyone who um, is going to go through this, you have to get an oximeter, um, O-X-I-M-E-T-E-R, that little thing you put on your finger and it instantly measures your oxygen saturation level in your blood. It truly is the litmus test as to whether you're in the poo. Because mm. if your oxygen level goes under 90, you're in trouble. You definitely don't want it to go under 85. My oxygen level normally sits at about 95, 96. Some people sit at 98, 99. When it went into my lungs, it started going, it was 88, 89. And it was literally a borderline decision. Do I, do I get admitted or don't I? And what I did as one of the mechanisms to try and I did my best not to go to hospital because I think there's a, a, a mental attachment to going to hospital. You feel weaker. You feel debilitated. And I wanted mm -hmm. to try and remain as strong as possible, being sensible. And I spent a lot of time sitting on my bed. You can't lie on your back if you have COVID, by the way. You've got to lie on your side or your tummy, but you're, you're squishing your lungs if you lie 
flat on your back. So they say, don't lie on your back. So I would either sit up or I'd lie on my side and take really deep, long breaths. It's all about making sure you keep that oxygen in your lungs. And I, I fought the pneumonia and the pneumonia got worse. And at one stage I was in, I was in a bit of trouble. Fortunately, I've managed to come through the other side. I'm on day 30, had more blood tests yesterday and another drip yesterday. And I, I'm on the mend and I tell my story on social media, not because you get those belligerent people on Twitter who go, Oh, you're just seeking publicity. No, it's not that. It's that hopefully I can inspire someone to say, Hey, you're not alone. I'm with you. I've gone through what you're going through now. Hang in there. Look up. No, Mark, we so appreciate it because to have it, you know, to have it told from, from your point of view. And as you say, day 30, I mean, you've, you've been going through it. We really appreciate it. So let's rewind a little bit because this is everyone talks about that day seven. So up until that point, I mean, as you said, psychologically, the isolation is awful. Too terrible. Um, and you said you weren't feeling great. You, you could taste, but the, the, the oximeter that you're talking about, were, did you have one beforehand or did you just get one once you, you, you tested positive? No, I didn't have an oximeter before. Um, I've got the Apple Watch series six, which uh, monitors your oxygen levels as well, but I wanted something just, I, I, I thought a little bit more instant. Um, something that I can just pop on my finger at any stage. And that's why I got this little device. And it truly is a great indicator as to where you are because you can't see what's happening inside your body. I mean, I, I struggle to breathe. I was coughing all the time, but it still boils down to what is your oxygen saturation level? Um, and these devices are a couple of hundred bucks that to skim clicks, you name it. And it, it, it is truly well worth getting it to anyone that's suffering with COVID. That's the number one thing they need to get. Brilliant, Mark. So just uh, the day seven, when you said things turned for you, was it because you were feeling worse or because, because when you looked at the oximeter, the numbers, uh, you had, you had drastically moved. You said you were normally 95, 96, and then you had uh, re- reduced oxygen levels into the eighties. Was that what alerted you or was it because you were just feeling so? Awful? No, I was, <clears throat> it was a combination of both. They're not mutually uh-huh. exclusive. I had, my numbers reflected it and I was feeling really bad because when you start feeling better after a couple of days you you feel victorious you go well i'm blessed that was the worst so but for me and then suddenly the next morning you wake up and you're even worse than you were before and you're going oh no this is not good so i was off to my doctor every two days and we were constantly doing bloods uh doing x-rays so we had a, a bit of a status check as to to where I was. And my recommendation to anyone is the moment you, you have a positive test, please do get in touch with your GP. You know, it's, it's so important that a medical professional just keeps an eye on you. Sometimes they'll tell you just ride it out. You know, they'll give you a little bit of medicine, maybe a bit of cortisol and this and that. But at any stage it could turn and you need, you need your GP to be on top of things to know where you are. And it really is a big recommendation. Please let your GP know if, if you are positive. Mark, you stayed out of hospital. Am I correct? I mean, you spoke about not yeah. wanting to go into hospital, but you haven't got, with the pneumonia, you, you never went into hospital. Yeah, it was, yeah, I was borderline. Um, my GP said to me afterwards, he said, he, he thinks in hindsight, he probably should have put me in hospital, but I'm glad he didn't because, you know, I was able to, to fight it, but I was constantly seeing him. So 
very quickly we could have changed our minds. It wasn't as if we didn't go to hospital and we left it for a week. Seeing him every two days, we, we had a finger on the pulse as to what was going on. And mm-hmm. I was blessed to be able to stay out of hospital and uh, spent uh, all the weeks at home recovering. Mm. It sounds like you um, took a very active role in your healing. Like you kind of knew exactly where you were, the steps that you had to take. Do you think that's a, as opposed to lying in bed in hospital and having nurses run around you, do you, do you think there's a, you know, any, any truth in that when, when you're very much involved in your own healing, that it, 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 it adds something else to, to whatever the journey is. I saw some stats on a post this morning and it had to do with, um, you know, in terms of people being in hospital, in terms of people possibly being on a ventilator, what are some of the causes? It's yes, obesity is one, uh, comorbidities, but actually they listed quite highly on there as well was anxiety mm-hmm. and, you know, it's very easy to say be calm when you suddenly realize that you have a virus which is killing people next door to you, and now that virus is in you. So it's hard to be calm. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I was perfect. There were moments when I realized I was in trouble, and I was scared. Yeah. I was really scared. And you're allowed to have those moments, but then you've got to gather yourself up, and you've got to be strong, and it's about that positivity. It's about when you're down at the bottom, look up. When I was going through chemotherapy, And I often say this to chemo patients. I say, you know, everyone wants you to be strong all the time. It's impossible to be strong all the time. Once in a while, have a cry. Feel sorry for yourself. Allow it to happen. It's like when you're on a diet and you have that cheat day, the pizza on a Sunday. Have that moment where you can just let it out. Have a good cry. And then you get back on that horse and you try your very best to have the right attitude. It's just, as you say, allowing yourself to feel the fear. I can imagine that some people um, hesitate when it comes to that because they think that if they do allow the fear or the anxiety or whatever it is that they're feeling to come through, they'll be flooded and maybe there's no returning. Um, or yeah, or staying positive is the only hope. Is there a, is there for you, Mark, when, because you were talking about the chemotherapy, so we, as we've said before, you've been there, you've faced this before. Do you give yourself a time limit? So if you are feeling tearful after chemo or before chemo, or as you said, the real fear, knowing that, oh, it's, it's, it's not going well at the moment. Do you say, okay, you've got half an hour to feel sorry for yourself or do, do you manage it? in that way for all that i'm oc and i'm a virgo um no actually no, i don't do it that way <laughs> i just allowed myself a moment there were there were moments i remember uh talking to my girlfriend on the phone or talking to talking to my children my girls who are nine and eleven and my voice was croaking because you have this thought in your mind will they will they ever get to hug me again? Can I hug them again? And you have those moments. And it's, it really is hard. It, it's not easy to, you know, looking up and being positive all the time. And you've got to allow yourself that moment to go, this is not good. But I didn't set a time limit on it. No, I mean, if, you know, I shed a little tear now and then, got it out of my system, and then I'm like, I'm okay. I'm not mm. jumping out of bed with a silly posturepedic feeling going, I've got this. But I'm saying to myself, I'm okay. One, one step at a time. It's project management. You can't think of everything all at once. Break it down into little steps and go, okay, what's the next step? What's the next goal I need to reach? Hopefully breaking the fever. What's the next step? Maybe being able to go to the kitchen and back without being exhausted. 
Mm. And slowly but surely what is motivating is when you eventually with the x-rays and the blood tests, we could see my pneumonia was diminishing slightly. That's a, that's a great sign. Then you know, well, I, I'm on the road. It's going to take a while. And even on that road, when you know you're going to get out of it, you still get frustrated. But I think with so many people around us who are in hospital, they're in ICU, they're on ventilators, many people not making it. To know that you're on the road to recovery, you've got to count your blessings each and every day. And I had yet another belligerent person on Twitter saying, listen, the percentage of people who die is only like point something percent. I'm like, well, you can say that. You can throw stats around like that. But how many of us now in this third wave know someone in our immediate circle in hospital who has pa- or has passed? Mm-hmm. It's real. It's mm-hmm. And it's close. It's knocking on the door. Yeah. So count your blessings. Absolutely, Mark. And having said all of that, you're not a statistic. You know, it's easy for that person to say, but you're not a statistic. There you are, and this is very real, what you're going through. Um so, yeah, I think everyone's having very different reactions. Um, it's bringing out a lot of stuff in, in us. And I'm just wondering, listening to you, you talk about positivity. And I've alluded to this throughout the interview. Um, is that at a young age, you had to face this, Mark. I mean, you spoke about the chemotherapy. And then in 2008, you had a heart attack. So once again, you've kind of had to face this, this, I don't know, this unknown, what's going to happen? It's my health, where to from here? Um, let me transcend how I'm feeling now and find a way of being positive. Do you think, Mark, that that helped you with this COVID situation, being isolated, being in your head, knowing on day seven that your health had deteriorated? Do you, do you think that it had given you some kind of resilience and strength to deal with what you've just recently dealt with? Oh, I think without a doubt. Um, I remember with chemo therapy I was going through it and I said to myself at one stage there'll come a point where you'll look back and you'll go that was a rough journey and it's over and even though in the middle of it all when I was having the chemo I couldn't see where the end was I said to myself you will look back one day and go that's in the past and that's what happened you know years years later I've been in remission for 30 something years now uh, with the heart attack as well. Um, I, I was just blessed that I got through it and I happened to be in the doctor's office when I had the heart attack. I mean, you, you almost can't be in a better place than, than a doctor's mm. office when, yeah. when you have the heart attack. Yeah. And I, I just remember going, I'm in bonus time. I'm, I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to go, you know what? I've been given another chance and here I am. And it's the same with COVID as well. It's, it's serious. It's, it's my life event number three. I've done a hat trick now. Hopefully it's all over, but it does recalibrate you and make you appreciate the smaller things again. I'm appreciating the hugs from my girls. I'm appreciating just being able to go to the shops because for the first couple of weeks, you know, you can't go anywhere. So to be able to walk into the shop and buy my own loaf of bread. Sure. I appreciate See that. See people, of course. Absolutely. Whereas before you'd go, Oh my goodness, I've got to go get a loaf of bread. Now it's a wow. What a, what, what a treat to be able to go out and feel good enough to do it. What well, is Mark, really interesting. Wanna... Yes, yes, sorry, sorry no, carry, carry on. on. No, no, you carry no, what on. What I just wanted to say was what is interesting is that when you do recover from a severe illness and you, you're walking through the mall or walking into the shops, you realize whether you were there or not, those other people would still be walking around and doing their mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, it's that realization that 
you know, there's a, there's also a bigger, bigger picture out there. Absolutely. Absolutely, Mark. And I also don't want to, because you've said a couple of profound things that I, I, I want to shine a, a light on. And the one is that with the chemotherapy, you said one day I'm going to look back. I'm in the middle of this, but one day I'm going to look back and it's going to be over and I'm going to be okay. And that's very powerful. I remember, I remember interviewing John Kehoe years ago after he had written, um, the, the quantum warrior. And he was trying to explain this whole idea of quantum time um, and how he had had a back injury and it was debilitating. He was in the most excruciating pain. And he spoke about projecting into a future, like seeing himself in the future, looking back at the John Kehoe lying in pain in bed, but being the one in the future being okay. Um, and this whole idea of meeting the past and the future. Now, I'm not saying that that is what you were talking about, but it certainly is very powerful. You remember that that was something that you used um, when you were going through chemotherapy. Did you use the same um, whilst going through this COVID scare? And is it something that you've explored or was it just something that happened while you were going through chemo and you've never really thought about that since? No, I, I use it as an attitude in life whenever you're having a bad day know that there'll come a point when you'll look back and you'll go, oh, okay, that wasn't a great moment, but it's in the past. And they they say, um, I think it was Eckhart Tolle who said, the past is just a memory. The future is just a construct in your mind. The present is right now where you are. And you can choose your attitude. I'm very big into neurolinguistic programming as well. It's about um, you can define your own attitude and how you want to, how you want to represent whatever's happening. So for me, all of us who are going through this pandemic at the moment, there will come a time, it might be a year, it might be three years down the line, where as a population, we'll look back and we'll go, Wowza, do you remember when that pandemic was rife? And it will be past tense, not to say COVID's going away, but in terms of what we're experiencing now with all the lockdowns, there'll come a point down the line where it's, it's in the past and we will look back and go, Jeez, remember that. Thank heavens it's no longer like that. Mm, so very true. We have to zoom out. We have to be able to see that big picture so we can see where we are. Sometimes we're just so concerned with, you know, what's happening. And, and, and as I said, all the fear and anxiety that's attached to that. So you're a man with a beautiful voice and you've got all your listeners and I'm sure you've got tremendous, tremendous support. Are you back working, uh, Mark? Are you back on air? Yep. I went back on radio last week, Thursday. And I've been getting better each and every day. I was still um, sucking strepsils every day for the first day or three. But but I'm, I'm on the mend. I'm not getting as exhausted when I climb upstairs. And also being back on there, I wasn't being unreasonable. I wasn't jumping the gun and getting back to work too soon. I say, I say to people, you know, I'm not spending 12 hours a day running between offices or digging a trench. I I, I get to do what I really love. It's my passion. I'm sitting at a desk for a couple of hours. I'm, I'm chin wagging a bit and I'm playing some great music. I said, that feeds my soul. And I actually needed that to take that next level of feeling better again, because when it's the same as when, why I didn't want to go to hospital is that when you're lying in bed the whole time in your jammies each and every day, you feel sick. Mm. You feel more sick. So to be able to get dressed and come to work, it made me feel a bit more normal again. And I think that actually, without pushing my, my limits or pushing my system um, within the boundaries of reasonability, it, it really, I think, helped me psychologically get back on my feet. 
Amazing. Yeah, the psychological part is so, so huge. I mean, that's what you've been talking about this whole time. So when you talk about getting out of your jammies and out of bed, where is work for you? Do you actually go into the studio or are you, are you, um, broadcasting from home? We are all broadcasting from home on, on high FM at the moment. What's it like with, um, hot FM? So yes, when we had the initial lockdown way in the beginning, we were doing it from home at the moment under level four. Um, the essential services are at the studios. We've got two studios. So we we alternate. So I will be in one and uh, the person taking over will be in the other one. And each studio is disinfected um, as we we toggle between the studios, non-essential staff, um, admin staff, sales staff. No one's at work at the moment. So it really is just the bare essentials, uh, keeping the radio station going and and alive. Mm, fantastic, Mark. Fantastic. And one last question before we say goodbye. Your daughters, um, I'm sure it must have been very difficult for them knowing that their dad wasn't well. Um, you being in isolation, not being able to see them. How was that? It was really hard. Both of my daughters um, were tested positive as well at around the same time I was. Uh, fortunately, within a day, um, you know, they were running around like nothing happened. So I'm very blessed that they were okay. But and even though the doctor said to me, because I said to him, you know, I'm positive. My girls are positive. I said, will, will that impact, because I'm the one struggling here, will them being positive around me, will it make me worse? And he, he said to me, he goes, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. You can't be more pregnant. Um, but, yeah. but, as a, but as a precaution, I still chose to, to rather not see my girls um, because I just, I just didn't want to be around, you know, anything that could potentially make it worse, even though the doctor said it's all fine. So it, it was hard and even harder because in a way it was by choice. I chose not to, not to, you know, be in the same room with my girls. So we videoed each and every day. And I think the hardest thing for them was after the first couple of days, I said to the girls on video, I said, listen, by, by Saturday, this was maybe Wednesday. I said, listen, by Saturday, I'll be much better and we can do the rest of our isolation together and it'll be okay. Spend a couple of days with, with me. And they were looking forward to it. And then when COVID hit me again and it got worse, I had to keep postponing that saying, I haven't got the energy. I, I, I need to wait a couple of days. And we kept oh, kicking the, the ball or the can down the road, which I don't think young children to, truly understand, but I literally had no energy to be able to, to look after them. So mm. it, it, it took a, a good two, two weeks before I could see them. It took about, um, probably two and a half, three weeks before they could come stay with dad again. But it, it, it was a magical moment when I got to put my arms around them. Oh, I'm sure, Mark. And, and thank God. I mean, listening to you sound absolutely fantastic. And we're so delighted that you came onto the show and shared your story because there's so many people who are, as we've said, they may be sick now or they know someone who is. And by you sharing your story and giving some of your tips and your insights, it's so valuable, Mark. Um, and to hear you sounding so good um, and so positive, we really appreciate it. Here's wishing you just the best, best of health. As you've said, it's three down. That's it. All three knocked out. It's only good health please God from here on. Um, and I look forward to you chatting with you again, Mark, please take care. Lovely, lovely having you on the show. Thanks, Nikki. Um, if I can just leave these final words to, to someone who is, if you're listening right now and you're, you're sitting at home and you're isolating and you're feeling lonely, I mean, in a way that is the power of radio because they often say, what's the difference between listening to my music on Spotify or listening to the radio? 
because radio is much more than just music. Radio is about a connection. You're not alone. So the person listening to you right now, Nikki, I mean, the importance of what you're doing, you are, you are companionship for so many people right now yeah. who haven't been able to see someone for a week, for two weeks. And just know you're, you're not alone. We're there with you in spirit. And just remember to look up. Oh, beautiful, Mark. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on to the show. God bless. Go well. Uh, we'll chat again soon. And there's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Mark Pilgrim. 